0: Hallelujah. If, we, if you have your Bibles, open up to First Chronicles chapter 13 this morning. And uh, we've been ministering, and I haven't been able to get off of it uh, since we got on it. And uh, our uh, the, the theme or the, the core uh, context of our church is this. We believe in reaching, raising, and releasing people. Reaching people with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Raising them up in discipleship. And then releasing them out to the harvest field, to win souls, out into ministry. That's the gospel. The gospel is evangelism, discipleship, and ministry. It's threefold. And so our core belief as a church is that, that we're people that reach, raise, and release people into the harvest, amen, to win souls to Christ and that. And so we've been ministering on that. How many know this is an Exodus year? Amen. Part of Exodus is coming out. If you're going to come out, part of that is taking the limits off. So many times we just think, if, if I could get you just to think bigger. I, I, I watched a show yesterday and uh, afternoon as we were having lunch and it was uh, some barbecue pit thing. And these guys were at this barbecue competition. And uh, so they said the secret to good barbecue is that when you think you've made it sweet, make it sweeter. When you think it's sweet enough, make it sweeter. I'm just telling you today, when you think you're thinking big enough, think bigger. Come on, just take the limits off. Take the limits off. We think too small. Amen. We just think way too small. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, Do you hear that? If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He will quicken, make alive your mortal bodies. Amen? We just partook of communion. The body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there any limit to the life of Christ? Then we need to learn to take the limits off. Amen? Sometimes the Exodus is just coming out of our stinking way of thinking. Some some of us need to leave stinking thinking behind, amen, and just move into a new mindset, (coughs) excuse me, with the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, Before we get into this, I just want to share a couple thoughts with you, and I'm going to read two verses to you, I'm going to go a little fast in this service, and... uh so i asked ask you to stay with me. First Peter chapter 2, I want you to just listen. It says this. Coming to him who is a living stone, rejected indeed my men, but chosen by God. You also as living stone are being built up a spiritual house. Somebody say spiritual house. Spiritual house. Now listen, to this, a holy priesthood. So the body of Christ is a spiritual house, but it is also a holy priesthood. Everybody say holy. It's not a carnal, it's not secular, we are a holy priesthood. And the priesthood, as we're going to see, there's a way God has an order on how you approach Him. There is a way to approach God, and God is a holy God. And Sean did a great uh, job last week. I was able on, on my phone to live stream our, 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 our cat. God bless you. Everybody that's watching by live stream, we love you. Get in a good church. Don't just watch TV. God bless you. Amen. And so with that... uh, But I was able to partake of that and watch that and his message on on, on barriers and that and talking about things that restrict the limitless power of God in our lives. But in the same respect, we need to understand that God is holy and how we approach him as kings and priests unto God. Are you listening to me? that is so important that we understand that now listen to me also go if you would it, it says a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ so there are sacrifices that can be offered up but they're not always acceptable in fact, you read in the prophets, God says, you're offering me stuff. I don't accept that stuff because your life is not in order. You're, you're not walking in, in true holiness before me. Now, holiness is not a Christian cuss word. And holiness belongs in the New Testament. The Bible says that we are saved by grace. That's true. But it also says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we had more knowledge, we wouldn't frustrate the grace quite so much. Amen. So go back with me if you would. You don't have to turn there. But I'm going to read another verse to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and uh, begins in verse 1 by saying this. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant or unaware. Every time Paul told people, I don't want you to be ignorant, it's because they were. That all of our fathers, listen, that all of our fathers were under the cloud, passed through the sea, were baptized into Moses in the cloud, in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So everybody comes out, they all have this great experience with God, they get delivered, God brings them out, he's taken them through the wilderness, parts of Red Sea, they're all partakers of the miracles of God, but, but many he wasn't well pleased. Why? Because God is a holy God and He has set order for our lives. Are you listening to me? And so to have the limitless provision of God, we we need to learn to walk in knowledge and in truth. Amen? And so that is so important. And then people say, well, why is the Old Testament so important? And I'm reading this as a precursor because we're going to be reading an example out of the Old Testament today. And people say, well, how does that apply to us? We are New Testament believers. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, speaking about the experience of Israel. Now, all these things happened to them as examples And they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. So when we read about the nation of Israel and we read about the circumstances that they went through, the reason God recorded them is many times so we can learn what to do, but also learn what not to do. Are you listening to me? Because if we do the right stuff, we get the right results. If we do the wrong stuff, we get the same results, say God. And we want to avoid that. Can you say amen? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for these next few moments. Holy Spirit, we needs you. Thank you for your voice this morning. Thank you for your presence that is here. Lord, as Moses said, there's no purpose for us gathering if your presence isn't with us. So Father, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for doing what you said you would do. You would be here with us. And so Lord, we bless you today. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our understanding, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. So look at the cover of your outline. And I just want to say this. We want to keep going after God. God is a limitless God. But it's so easy for us to put restrictions on Him. And so I hope you uh, can receive this this morning. Hear me. God's presence was never meant to be placed in a container, carried in a cart, parked in a tent, hidden in a tabernacle, enthroned in a shrine, or stored in a barn. And we're going to read the account in uh, Chronicles here. And all that uh, pertains to what happened to the ark with God. But it has always been God's intention for His presence to reside in the hearts of His people in limitless power and provision. And like I said, I want you to take the limits off. God's answer for your life is limitless. There is no limit to what God can do. Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. That's a limitless statement. Amen. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That is a limitless statement. Whosoever shall say in this mountain, and not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. That's a limitless statement. But we, man through religion, likes to confine God, restrict God. And the reason we do that is because we've had experiences where we think the Word didn't work. Let me just tell you, the Word always works. If it's not working, it's not because the Word of God is broken. It's usually operator error. Amen. And we're notorious for trying to put things together without reading the instructions. Men aren't the only ones. Women do it too. Amen. And then we wonder, why isn't this thing working? Well, have you gone back and read the instructions? And so we're trying to put together a Christian life, and nobody ever opens a manual. Just moving right along. Amen. Amen. So his presence was never to be taken lightly or handled without reverence, respect, and yes, fear. See, I believe the highest honor God can give to a man is to be called to be a minister of his presence. As your pastor, I have one desire, that's when we come together, that anybody who walks through these doors, when we are having a service here, would know that they have been in the presence of God. It doesn't matter whether I can articulate and elaborate and speak eloquently, that doesn't matter. It matters whether the presence of God, whether we have created a habitation for God to manifest Himself by His Spirit. It is the life of God, the presence of God, for which the church exists, and the reason we Could you say amen? And so we're called to be ministers of his presence and to reveal a limitless God to his people. How is it that things become lost with time? If you follow the nation of Israel, the book of Judges is a great pattern for the book of Israel. Israel has the deliverance of God. They walk in the provision of God, the, the, the blessing of God, and then over Time. Everybody say time. Over time, they get going along. Next thing you know, they find themselves caught up in everything with the world, identifying with the world more than they identify with God. The next thing you know, they wake up one day, oh my goodness, we're in bondage. How did this happen? Well, it's been about 40 years. Over the passage of time, you just gradually moved away from the things of God. You lost your passion for certain things. You allowed other things to get in. You started blending things together. And then next thing you know, what you were supposed to have dominion over now has dominion over you. Amen. And so then they cry, oh, God delivered them!" God would deliver them. And then they were a good Pentecostal nations, so they'd rededicate their lives to the Lord. They got saved and saved and saved again. Glory to God. Some of you get that later. That's all right. But anyway, every time they'd rededicate, they'd walk with the Lord for a season. And then over time, they'd slip away and then raise up. So with us, time get lost. When you trace the history of God's presence amongst His people, you find that time has a way of losing track of God. Israel had short seasons when they walked with God and enjoyed the benefits of His presence in their life. History reveals longer periods of time when God's presence was lost to them. In fact, your Bible has a a, a space called between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's revealed in history that between Malachi and Matthew was 400 silent years. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he was the first voice of thus saith the Lord in Israel for four years hundred years for four centuries israel went without thus saith the lord though there are religious people though there are people of worship though they still have synagogue though they're still reading the torah and they're still opening the scrolls but there was no open revelation no spoken voice of god even in churches today people go well i get a little uncomfortable with tongues and interpretation honey i don't care if you're uncomfortable i'd rather have the holy ghost than a crowd Somebody asked me one time, I'd rather have 50 people and God show up than 5,000 people and God never attend. Are you listening to me? But I believe the presence of God comes in. Many of you today, those words were just for you. Think about that. Randomly, out of just an act of worship, God begins to speak words of encouragement. God always intended for His voice to be amongst His people. And the Holy Ghost is the voice of God amongst His people. Well, I get uncomfortable. Good. You're supposed to be uncomfortable in the presence of a consuming fire. We had campfires at, 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 while well, we were camping. And you back up too close to that thing, you're going to light your butt on fire. There, there, there's a space of comfort connected to fire. And if you don't respect fire, you get burned. If you don't respect the presence of God. Well, I get close to God, but it gets a little hot in there. Yes, that's to burn away the chaff off of your life and to reveal the pure life that God has for you. Somebody shout amen. Amen. So think about this this morning. Israel had those 400 silent years, and they began to operate out of their own strength, their own knowledge, and their own resources. That's what happens with us. We get saved. We get delivered by the miracle power of God, and then pretty soon we're just back to our own knowledge, our own strength, And living by our own resources. Afraid to honor God. Afraid to give. Because if I give, I won't have enough. Forgetting that the only thing God can multiply is what you release in faith. And sow in faith to His Word. Amen. So think about it. They were controlled by those whom God had given them dominion over. And more often than not, they gave up their freedom without a fight. So then what happens? Let me ask you this. How does God end up in a cart? not have time to read the whole story, but if you go back and read it, uh, uh, how many remember the story of Saul and David? Starts back with Samuel being the last judge over Israel, and then all of a sudden the people said, hey, we don't really want a prophet giving us the word of the Lord anymore. We want a king like everybody else. We don't want a pastor. We just want a hireling to tell us nice things about God. Moving right along. And so as a, as a result, they said, we want a king like everybody else. And so they said, oh, God said, and, and, and the Lord said, this is what the Lord said to Samuel. Hey, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Don't take it personal. Amen. And, and so Samuel says, all right, we'll pick it out. And so they pick out Saul, this great king. Well, Saul was all of his confidence within himself. He had no heart for God, no desire for God. When they went to anoint him king, they had to go find him, the Bible says, amongst the stuff. He was hiding amongst the stuff. And then he becomes king. He's king in his own strength. And he's doing everything. Doesn't obey what Samuel tells him to do. Keeps the best stuff for himself. And he loses the anointing. So as Israel goes along, next thing you know, they're in a battle with the Philistines. They're getting their heinies whipped by their enemy who they're supposed to have dominion over. And they said, I know what we need to do. We need to bring God into our problem. And so... Couple of priests get the idea. Let's go get the ark. Let's bring it out to the battle. Da, 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 da. Here comes God. The nation will woo! And Philistines hear the shout. They go, God is amongst them. But then they kept fighting. And the next thing you know, even with God amongst them, the Philistines whip them. And they steal their God. The Philistines whip Israel and take the ark. Israel goes back. They just stole our God. And so they get the ark and the Philistines take it home. They have no idea how to handle God, how to handle the presence of God. The next thing you know, they're, they're peeking into stuff they shouldn't be looking into. And the next thing you know, they have a plague of wrath and everybody gets a terrible case of hemorrhoids. Amen. <laughs> hey if you don't walk right before God, you'll find out he can be a royal pain in the butt. Amen. So the next thing you know, here are the nation of Israel under this giant plague. They're under a giant plague. And so they call their priest. What do we do? They go, oh, man, we've touched and We shouldn't have touched this stuff. We don't know how to handle So you, you, you need to make some. It's the funniest thing. You need to make some little golden images of rats and hemorrhoids. And then you need to put those little images in a chest and you need to put the ark on a brand new cart towed by two oxen that that have never been yoked together and then send it back. And if it goes towards Israel, we know the plagues have come from God. If it goes over here, we know this is just a bad week. What's that? And and so they put it on the cart and the cart heads towards Israel and go, man, this is from God. So it lands up in, in this one town and the people get all excited. Oh, God has come back to us in a cart. No, these people just didn't want to have hemorrhoids anymore. Anyway, so, <laughs> so they get back over here and they, and, and they open up the chest and they look at the little golden images. Oh, we'll sacrifice these to God. And they, they, they burn up the cart and they slaughter the oxen and stuff. And then they look in the ark and then God plagues them. Over 50,000 of them die for not respecting the presence of God. And so then they go, oh my goodness, send it away. So then they send it off and they store it in another. Get it out of here. And so they store God in the barn. Back to your outline. <laughs> the nation of Israel had been delivered from slavery bondage by the power of God. They had been led daily by His presence. But once they entered their promise and possessed their inheritance, they slowly misplaced His presence in their lives. That happens to every, every believer. We get going along walking in God, and then all of a sudden we just get careful, and then more of the world, more of the world starts creeping into our lives. Be careful, my friend. Be careful. Respect the presence of God in your life. In 1 Chron- Chronicles chapter 13, and verse 3, I'm going to look at it. It says, And let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not acquired at it since the days of Saul. Everybody say, 20 years. From the time it was taken captive to this day, 20 years has transpired. They had been content for 20 years to leave the ark in a barn. Wow. To go to do religion, do pre- without the presence of God. I don't know about you, I don't want to go 20 minutes, let alone 20 years, without the presence of God in my life. Could you say amen? Amen. At the promise of a limitless God, His presence in our life is too valuable to take lightly. Think about it. Their lives were good as far as they knew God was safe in the last place they left him. That's the way many people approach God today. You know what? I was at church last week. When they locked up, I'm sure they kept him inside. He'll be there next time I show up. I keep God in a box called church. So what? What? Today, he's kept in the boxes of our churches. How easy is it to neglect the presence of God in his word? How many have formed the best new carts building they can and have become casual with how they handle the presence of God? So let me ask this. How do you handle the presence of God? There are many in our day that have a hunger for the presence of God in their life, yet are ignorant on how to approach and handle his presence. Like David, they have desire without knowledge. How many have been serving God, honoring God, and even worshiping God with all their might, only to arouse his anger? 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader. And David said to all the congregation of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord, let us send out our brethren... ...everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel and with them to the priests and the Levites... ...who are in their cities and their common land, that they may gather together to us. And let us bring the ark of God back to us, (coughs) Excuse me, for we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. So all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of who? All the people. So David gathered all Israel together and from Sheor in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Haman, to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. And David and all Israel went up to Baal, ba- Baala, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the, the ark of God, the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. Verse 7. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart. Everybody say new cart. New cart. All right. And from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Then David and all of Israel played music before God with all their might in singing on harps and stringed instruments and tambourines, on cymbals and with trumpets. They had an amazing band. They're having a great, they're having a partner. God, we're bringing God back. We have a heart for God. We want his presence in our life. We're going to go get God. We're going to bring his presence back into our life. God's promise. We're going to be his covenant people. I'm living for God. I'm going after God. Desire without knowledge. Desire without knowledge. How many know that Hosea says, 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of grace. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and so many people have great desire they have great things, but then they wonder why does God break out against them because desire with improper knowledge can get you into trouble are you with me desire for the things of God without knowledge about the thing there's a reason God wrote a book amen (laughs) all right so what so they carried the ark of God on a new cart Then David and they all played their band in verse 9. And when they came to Shidon's dressing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused. The original translation says broke out against them, against Uzzah. And he struck him because he put his hand on the ark and he died there before God. What? God just killed this guy. They're having church and worship. And this guy gets killed for trying to save God. Verse 11. And David became angry. Now what? David became angry because of the outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah. The outbreak against Uzzah to this day. So David, what? Somebody, because of lack of knowledge, gets too close to the consuming fire of God, gets destroyed. And now David's mad at God. There's people in Christianity all over today because out of their desire and out of their joy it, and something happened they experience a breakout where God can't bless he has to move in correction and then they get mad at God when it was ignorance that brought them to that place in the first place moving right along So what And so David became angry. Verse 12. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring up the ark of God to me? And David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed Edom, the the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed Edom in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed Edom and all that he had. So watch this one guy gets killed. And they park it at Obed's house, and he gets blessed. Yeah. What's up with that? One, Obed didn't go in the barn and mess with it. They yeah. said, "Can we borrow your barn?" Yeah, go ahead, park the ark. Amen. Ark parking here. Have a sign out front. Amen. So, about him, there he is. He's blessed and and depressed. Look at the presence of God brings the blessing of God. Cole read it in the in the God's desire is to bless. He is a limitless God. He is a God who loves you. But God is a God of order because He is a consuming fire. He has set an order to approach Him because by the nature of just who He is. He can never operate contrary to his nature. And there's so much ignorance being spewed from our pulpits today that are giving people a false sense of security in approaching God. And we have too many us's dying on carts. And people getting mad at God. Are you with me this morning? So what happens? What do you do when your best effort produces disaster? For three months you go back and learn again the fear of the Lord and respect His Word and His presence. See, when God's presence is lost or stored away for safekeeping, the fear of the Lord is lost. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Amen? And wisdom. So... We need to understand that and operate in the fear of God. What about David's heart for God? Listen to his heart. We read in verses 1 through I have a heart for God. I want God's presence. It's... it's God, we need his presence here. We need God in our midst. He's going after God with all of his heart. David became king. His heart and desire for the presence of God became such that he wanted God to be where he was. The ark always symbolized the presence of God. He was the God who dwelt between the cherubims. We read in verse 6. The presence of God, though, had been trivialized by Saul. See, people got to place, well, I need the presence of God. That's where many of our churches are today. We can do church. We can have great programs. We've traded the presence of God for performances. And many people are going to churches. Which church puts on the best performance? Amen. A performance won't give you knowledge. It will entertain you for an hour or 90 minutes. But entertainment won't give you victory over the devil. Knowledge. By knowledge. Amen. You need knowledge and you need truth. I had one friend say, I'm a grace preacher. I said, I'm a knowledge preacher because I give them enough knowledge. They'll know how to walk in grace. Are you doing all right? Amen. So here's David. The presence of God had been trivialized by Saul in previous generations to the point of being lost and not even missed or noticed by the people. For 20 years, nobody else is going, hey, where's God? We're just happy with our routine. Doing all right? I'm just talking about taking the limits off. I don't know about you. I want the limits taken off of my life. I want them off of your life. Moses said like this in Exodus 32, 12 through 17. You can read the account his conversation with God. And God says, this is how you know my presence will go with you. This is how you know. I'm going to send my presence with you. Moses says, good. Because if your presence doesn't go, I'm not moving. You need to get that in your heart. God, if your presence isn't with me, I don't want to go. If you don't sense, do I need to do this? Should I make this decision? Should I move here? Should I go there? Should I get involved in that? Where's the the presence of God on that? People say, well, how do you know the will of God? I, I usually help people try to judge it like this. How hard are you having to explain what you're doing? How much convincing do you have to give? See, when it's the will of God, you get agreement. You don't have to convince people you're in it. Moving right along. <laughs> this is all free stuff. None of it's in your note. Amen. So look, at, It had been so long since they had even seen or handled the presence of God that no one, not even the priests and Levites, knew how to handle the presence of God. It had been so long since anybody had handled the presence of God or had proper temple worship of any kind that even the priests and the Levites are supposed to know. Didn't know how to. Uzzah was a Levite. Ahio was a Levite. They're the ones who are supposed to know how they are. When David said, hey, let's put it on a the cart, they said, no. They should have said, no. They should have said, But they didn't. They said, cart sounds good to us. We get to drive. (laughs) See, they had created their own form of worship. They were in his house, but he wasn't home. In Samuel 6, verses 1 to 12, you can read it. The ark is returned by the Philistines who had captured it in battle. They knew nothing about God. So they came up with their best idea for transporting a god. When they wanted to get God out of their midst and be delivered to the plague, they said, what's the best way to get rid of this? Their priest, pagan priests, said, build a brand new cart, get two oxen who have never been yoked, and put God in the cart with the box of the golden hemorrhoids and rats. <laughs> Send him off goes this way, it's God, this way, bad week, okay? And so they do that. Now watch, a cart pulled by oxen. When David went to get the ark, I imagine he asked, how did it get here? People said, in a cart. David said, cool, we can build carts. We'll build a great cart. Amen. I, I bet it was a beautiful cart. Probably ornate, very well, I mean, beautiful. They didn't just slap it together. I bet, it, well, I bet it's a great cart. So there they are. So what David said, okay, we'll do the same thing. Get this. So they followed the pattern used by non-believers. Say, so Pastor, why aren't we seeing more breakout in our churches today and more of God moving in a mighty way? Because we've begun to follow the pattern of unbelievers in our worship. We've let the world set order for how we handle God. So they follow the pattern used by non believers to handle the presence of God. He just made a new cart. The results everything's going good until the cart hits a bump in the road, and a seemingly innocent man dies. The people once again are dismayed. David leaves, abandoned his goal, and goes home without the presence of God. Go with me to chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Just turn over. (coughs) Verse 1. And David built a house for himself in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent. Then David said, what David said, verse 2. No one may carry the ark of God but the Levite. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. So David comes back and says, hey guys. After three months, David goes home for three months. He comes back and says, hey, you guys were supposed to carry it. See those little rings on the side? Should have been a sign. Means rod go through there. Shoulders. Ark move forward. Remember the Jordan crossing? When God said to Joshua, this is how you're going to cross the Jordan. The priests are going to carry the ark on their shoulders. And when they get down to the edge with the ark on their shoulders carrying the presence of God, when their feet touch the edge of the water. The waters will part and you will cross over. My presence will make a way for you. But the presence of God was never meant to be put in any kind of cart. And we do that today. Religion loves cart. You love cart. You have carts in your life. Things that you put God in and transport God. Ideas, theologies, concepts about God. But God says my presence was meant to be upon your life. Jesus says after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You don't take the Holy Ghost and put him in a back you don't put him in a back room you bring him out in the open and you carry him upon your life and his presence makes a way for you amen, amen. so think about it this morning Uzzah should have known and so he gets over look over at verse 13 it says for because you did not do it the first time the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him get this about the proper order everybody say proper order You know what everybody in America has today is an idea for their order on how to worship God. We just worship God any way we think is okay. God is a God of order, and He is a holy God, and He is a consuming fire. And you will never see a limitless God show up in your life with His power, with His glory, and with His promise being released until we learn to be a people of order. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Watch this. When David kept going. And people think today. This is what we think. How unfair of God. Couldn't he see their hearts were right? How many know everybody had a great heart that day? David's heart. I want the presence of God. have a great heart. People playing in the band. Oh yeah. And everybody. I mean. Dancing. Everybody's having a blast. Great heart. Loving God. And Uzzah dies. What's up with God? Why so touchy? So temperamental. So legalistic. God knows my heart. Yes, it's out of order. They were doing the best they knew how to do. Okay. But they weren't operating by knowledge. That's what David said. We built the best cart we could build, but it was against knowledge. He says, you guys, we're supposed to carry it, not ride with it. Are you listening to me? And so they were seeking God with all they had. Uzzah was just trying to protect God's presence. Why did he have to die? You know, there are people today in churches all across America and people who aren't in church today. Because somebody they know experienced a breakout against the holiness of God? And now they're mad at God? David got mad at God. Because as it died, and, and David just trying to worship God, and we don't know. People today, loved ones, family member having catastrophe, dying prematurely, things happen. And, and we, we never stop to think, wait a minute, maybe it's because we're out of order. Maybe there's an outbreak again. Maybe we could remedy this if we went back to living by knowledge. And following the proper order that God set forth for our life. So why was God being so hard? Everybody say hard. Hard. Why was He being so hard? The answer is you have to know the difference between hard and holy. There's a difference between hard and being holy. And God is a holy God. Keep your finger there in Chronicles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Say, Pastor, you're just preaching out the Old Testament. Yes, I am, because everything is written in there for our admonition, our example. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse fourteen. Pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. Everybody, say that with me. Pursue peace with all men. How many know that leaves no excuses? It just says pursue peace. Go after peace. Go after reconciliation with everybody. Live as a reconciler with all people. Pursue peace. What are the next two words? And what? And what? Holiness. Holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. So we have all kinds of ideas. I can just have any order I want on how I live my life, how I serve God, as long as I worship. I love worship. I love great bands. I love going to all the great performances. But what's the order? Are you listening to me? What is the holiness factor of my life? Think about it. The next verse says, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Uh Uh-oh. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. I'm going to go on and read it because it doesn't get any friendlier from there. Verse 29 of that chapter ends with this. Listen, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. The Lord said, when the Lord gave them the ark and the temple, the Lord said, this is the order for my presence. And he gave them the tabernacle. And God said to Moses, Moses, this is how you do it. You do it this way exactly and in order to approach the presence of God. Amen. And there's an order that belongs to our life as well. And so in that, and the Ark was kept in the Holy of Holies. And the priest had to prepare himself to enter the Holy of Holies. And if he wasn't properly prepared, he would die in the presence of God because God is holiness. And get this, nothing contrary to his nature can live in his presence. Write that down on your outline, never forget it. Nothing contrary to the nature of God can live in his presence. Which is why if we would get this when we're talking about a limitless God, if we would desire to walk in order before God, and we'd be willing to give up all of our religious cart pulled by all of our sacred cows... then we would see more of the presence of God and we would see more miracles and more healing because and and, and here miracles and healing because sickness and disease cannot abide in the presence of God and when God's presence shows up it shows up in power it shows up in purity and you step into His presence. And we're invited by virtue of the blood to come before the throne of God and find grace to help in time of need. But when I get before the throne of God, I'm in His presence. And the consuming fire of God burns up everything out of my life. How do you live healed? Put your life in order and pursue a holy God and enter into His presence. And you'll find the consuming fire of God won't consume you. It'll consume the things that have tried to attach you and you'll walk out victorious in Jesus' name. Shout amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So watch this. So David is pursuing and so for us we go, oh, well, what about us today? There it is. We're called to live by holiness. Think about it. Follow me through as we finish. If the worship team will come back. See, God isn't hard. He's holy. Think about this. How many today do not understand the holiness of God? and the need for the fear of the Lord. How many today have relinquished the presence of God to someone else because it was easier than repentance for their casual approach to God? What did they do? They said, hey, go park God in the barn over here because finding out what went wrong is too hard. But David said that's not enough. He spent three months finding out the right way to handle God. How many today are satisfied to approach God with a casual attitude of curiosity, wanting to look into the things of God without proper respect? For God. How many today are giving up the presence of God in their midst because his anger broke out against their ignorance and lack of respect for his holiness? Think about Ananias and Sapphira. Peter said, Hey, while it was your money, you could do anything with it. But you come in here and lied and said what you gave was a whole prize. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And they both fell over dead in church. How many know you can get a revival when people start falling over dead? Yeah. <laughs> ben, But people, oh, i honor a God, I'm a tither. I do. Don't shut up. Don't lie to the Holy Ghost. People say to me, Pastor, how come you get so upset? How come you're so touchy about buildings and doing different things? Because everything in here, Ananias and Sapphira died because they lied about holy things. The offering is holy. And everything that the church has is given out of the holy offerings of the people. And it needs to be respected with reverence as holiness. Are you listening to me? And so, when we don't respect the holiness of God, it causes His anger to break out again. I'm just telling you how to live in the limitless provision of God. And so, when you have respect for the house of God, when you have respect for the things of God, everything. This microphone was bought with somebody's offering. So like, yeah, just the microphone. Just glory to God. Just cords, just stuff. Yeah, yeah. Glory to God. Just stuff. Breaking off. Glory to God. Ah, who cares? Glory to God. Hey, hey, hey. We'll run across here. Hey, hey. Oh, glory to God. Just stuff. Uh, no, it's not. It's holy stuff. Holy stuff. And the attitude is everything before God. It's not casual. God is holy. And He's graceful because nothing broke so far. Hallelujah. Let me know what I'm saying. Amen. Watch this. How many of our churches today are giving up the truth of God's word for a watered-down version that is acceptable to people living in sin and in need of a Savior, yet never made to feel uncomfortable or in need of a Savior in the presence of a holy God? I used to tease about our church when we first built. We, had, we used to have pews in here. and After we sat on them for a while, they had pucker marks in them. people said, what are those caused by? I said, conviction. Amen. So how can we have the presence of a limitless God in our midst? I believe God expects every generation to know how to handle his presence with proper respect and fear. I believe this with all my heart. We could see a breakthrough of God's limitless power and provision, not just in our church, but in our nation in this world if we return to proper order if we went back like david and found out how do you handle god's presence how do i walk in you are a royal priesthood peter said i read that specifically you are a royal priesthood the priests have an order to approach you approach god as a priest not just a casual believer and and when i accept that mantle and that responsibility I'm telling you, the anointing of God will come in such a powerful way. Are you listening to me this morning? One man, I can't carry it for all of us. I can usher in a measure. But if we ever decide to come into agreement and unity on this and pursue God in perfect order, I'm telling you, we can see a breakthrough right here in El Dorado County. Amen? So listen, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction between fear and reverence, and between hard and holy. Bow your heads with me this morning. See, like David, I desire his presence where I am, in this house, in my life. I desire his presence. I love nothing more than when I can worship him anywhere and his presence shows up. But I love it when his presence is in his house. People come in. Maybe over the years we have people say, I, I don't understand anything that went on, but I felt something there. God's presence is tangible. You can feel it. You can know you're in it. And you don't have to understand it. You just have to know you're in the presence of God. And your answer abides in Him, in His presence. The word of the Lord spoke this morning. I don't have time to finish this whole message It's in there. You can read it. But see, my heart breaks when God's anger breaks out against people. I was going to read in 1 Corinthians, because in 1 Corinthians it says that when it comes to communion, if we don't respect what's happening right here, if we don't approach this in proper order and fear in a right heart, we eat and drink damnation to ourselves. And some people are sick, are weak, and even die prematurely, is what Paul said, for not having proper order for the presence of God this morning maybe you're here and you're that person that the Holy Spirit spoke and you're carrying those weights and those burdens God's presence shows up to let you know that he cares to call you to himself